0: Hello, my friends. Welcome to Grandma's Leadership Podcast. I am so excited to talk to you today. I want to continue our conversation. I want to help you, if you're feeling any level of stress or anxiety, to feel your best, to feel like you are excited and energized by your life, and to feel real deep peace. And the reason I am here today with you is because I have a mission. I have a purpose and that purpose is to help people. And I've probably told you this before, but I will remind you again and again. My purpose is to help people who are going through something that I have gone through in my life. When I was working in sales for all those years, I was making great money, but I was miserable. I wasn't appreciating the things, the wonderful blessings I had in my life, my health, number one my amazing, loving husband, my healthy, wonderful kids, and all the money I was making. I was going through the motions of my life for so long, and I was lying to myself about what I really needed because I was just focusing on financial wealth. Obviously, it's important. I don't expect any of you not to want to be successful financially. That's something we all want. But how can you do it in a way where you feel real deep peace and fulfillment? Most people are probably listening to this because they have some level of stress in their life. Maybe you're an achiever. maybe you want to be successful and you are successful, but you feel like either there's that little voice like I told you about before that's telling you something's not right, or you have you feel more stressed than you should. What I want to do it with this podcast is to get to the heart of the things that people don't really like to talk about or that they're scared to talk about or maybe even uncomfortable to be honest with themselves about. So let's get into the conversations about the things that are going to really make us feel better about who we are and how we're living. And the way that I've decided to do this is in these direct conversations with you so I can share Things that I've learned in my life and things that I've learned from my amazing clients. As you know, I'm a leadership coach. And when I work with clients, we get really deep about what their patterns are, what things happen in their life to cause them to feel a higher level of stress than they should. And to cause them not to be able to live in the moment and to find peace and joy. So if you're a high achiever like me and many of my clients, you're probably tend to be hard on yourself you might be a perfectionist sometimes you don't you kind of put yourself last and um we have to i know this sounds corny but we have to learn to love ourselves and that's something that i've been learning in the past couple of years and that's why if you haven't listened to the podcast with bobby manley i think that's the second one he did i i believe it's podcast 5 um he talks about how he learned to love himself and i just Absolutely love that because it's something that I've been working on and I've been trying something that he told me about and it works so well. So in the morning, I want you to all try this. When you are brushing your teeth, pay attention. Are you really looking at yourself or are you thinking about something else or are you looking sideways or not really wanting to pay attention to yourself? I noticed when I was brushing my teeth the day after I spoke with Bobby that I kept looking to the side like I wasn't looking at myself. And I looked at myself, I dropped my toothbrush, I finished brushing my teeth. And I said, Amal, I love you. And it felt so corny. And it didn't feel real. But I kept doing it. All of a sudden, I felt this warmth come over me, almost like, as if when someone that you love hugs you, when you get this feeling of like, everything's going to be okay, and this warmth that just comes over you, it's hard to explain. Um, It was like, I was really looking at myself and seeing myself and giving myself the care and love that I really needed. And I wasn't used to doing that. And it feels really uncomfortable. It feels weird. That's why I keep saying it felt corny, because I'm like, this is weird. You know, Why am I doing this? But actually, that was my fear talking. That was the part of me that doesn't want to slow down enough to give myself the care that I really need. That's the part of me that Can be sometimes short tempered or just kind of plow through the day and not listen to that little voice because I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to deal with the stuff that's holding me back because I am just focused on achieving. And so that's the thing like this whole, the whole, the work that I do with my clients and my goal for the podcast is to help people to. Achieve at the highest level. So, really, what I want for you is to achieve not what your goals are, but beyond what you can even dream that you can do. Because, from my own experience with my own self, just doing what I'm doing now, I never thought in a million years I'd be able to do this. And the way that I'm doing it and the type of work that I'm doing with my clients, um, I never thought I had the capacity to do this. I didn't believe in myself enough and I didn't have enough confidence. I had false bravado. So there's a difference between confidence and bravado. And real true confidence, and this is really important, so I'd love for you to even jot this down. Real true confidence comes from humility. I'm going to repeat that. True confidence comes from humility. When you are humble enough to to just not have to show up in a way that you need to prove yourself, that's real confidence. Confidence—it's a quiet strength, and if you see some of the most successful people of all time, they had that. Leaders like Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, Jesus, Gandhi, Buddha—right? So those are all leaders who were really strong and who suffered a great deal, um, but they were deeply humble, and they people gravitated to them because of their strength and humility. So. Many of us have maybe in the past thought that people that are humble, maybe there's a weakness to that, but it's in fact, it's the opposite. One of the things that inhibits many of the people that I have worked with, even myself, for many years of my life is there was a part of me that didn't feel good enough. So we all have three basic needs, three emotional needs that we have in our life. It's to feel worthy or to feel significant. Um, to feel safe and secure, and to feel loved and connected, but the the one I see again and again, especially with high achievers, and sometimes the reason we're such high achievers is because there's something that we're trying to prove, either to ourselves or to someone else. I have a client whose father was really hard on him, and his brothers were really hard on him growing up. They kind of picked on him, and. He grew up to be extremely successful, the most successful out of all of his family members. And to this day, he still is in the pattern that he was when he was in his childhood of trying to prove himself. And I've seen myself in my adult life spend so much of my time trying to prove myself to others, trying to show up in a way that I um, portrayed perfection. And that's not realistic, but that was coming from this part of me that didn't feel good enough. So it's hard to be humble if we have that as an issue in our life. If there's a part of us that just doesn't feel worthy and we don't believe in ourselves, how can we show up with others in a way that we're vulnerable? It's very difficult. So that's something that, like I said, I want to talk to you about things that people don't talk about, right? It's something that I see with many high achievers. I'm not saying that's you, but this is one thing I will say. Oftentimes, the people who think that they're not that way are the worst ones. So if you aren't able to see what your blind spots are, um, there's a, a really good chance that you have blind spots that you're not aware of and that you have things that limit you. Every single one of us has things that limit our positive influence with others and also makes us feel bad. So if you're having a high level of stress in your life, like I said to you before, you have to start to think about what are the things that I, number one, am I focusing on what I can control? Am I learning how to be in the moment? And really you have to start getting honest with yourself about what is it that's causing this level of stress. Is there something that's getting in my way that I'm not wanting to look at? So that's where I want to start you off today. Before the next time we talk, I want to talk to you about what, how patterns start and how we can start to shift some of our patterns and get into a little bit more detail about these three needs. The need to be, feel safe and secure, the need to feel love and connected, and the need to feel worthy. But I do want you to start to really think about, is there a part of me? Even if, you know, maybe in the past, and this is hard because a lot of people don't want to admit this, but is there at times a part of me that shows up that doesn't feel good enough? And if that's the case, how does that impact my life? How does that, how does it affect how I show up with others? Does this cause me pain? So for me, I think I told you, well, I don't know, actually, I haven't told you the story yet. And I'm going to tell you about, so there's something that I, we call a map and your map is everything that you learn when you're young and, and it creates the patterns, the emotional patterns. So what you believe, Um, And then what you say to yourself over and over again, I call those your mantras. And then you make these rules based on what you believe. So all of that creates your emotions and your actions. And all of that together is called your map. That's really just the crap that happens to you when you're young, what you learn from your parents and what you do to try to get these needs met, these three emotional needs that I told you about, the need to feel good enough. They need to feel safe and secure and they need to feel loved and connected. And many of us, because our parents are human beings, they could have loved us so much and they could have given us a great childhood. But because they're human beings and all humans are flawed, we have flawed maps, which means sometimes we don't feel great about ourselves and sometimes we do things or we have blind spots that can maybe negatively impact other people more than we'd want that if we were at our best. So my map, there's many things that happened in my map to make me feel on some level that I didn't feel good enough. I was the youngest of five children. My parents, my mom, my my mom and dad got married when they were very young. My dad went to get a, a wife, believe it or not. He came, he was living in the States. My parents are from Lebanon. And then he went to find a wife in Lebanon. And he met my mother. She was 16 years old. I mean, thinking about that now, having uh, children, that makes me so sad because that's like, it's really scary, right? But that's what happened back then. It still happens in some parts of the world. And he went and brought my mother back. And my mother was not happy, you know, for the rest of her life. She said she wasn't forced to get married to my father, but I find that just very interesting I know it was part of the cultural culture at that time, um, but she came here to America um, and had a really tough life with my dad. My dad wasn't a bad person, but he had a lot of growing up to do, and he wasn't really—he was very simple in a lot of ways. So they proceeded to have five children, and my mother was not happy. And when you have a mother, she was actually had a lot of anxiety depression. And she, I think she self, well, I don't think I know she's self-medicated. So when you have a mother that has anxiety and depression, it really affects you as a child. So with me, I was emotionally neglected. My mom made dinner every night. There was lots of great things that happened in our home, but I was neglected. I didn't have the care. I didn't have any guidance. And I was the youngest of five. So I felt like an afterthought. I felt like my ideas and opinions didn't matter. I felt so that's probably a big reason why I really didn't feel good enough. But then when I was eight in eighth grade, just turned 13 years old, I'll never forget this. I remember it like it was yesterday. And this was really hard for me to tell this story for the longest time. I just finally told this story when I was in my 40s to my coach. And I remember telling the story. I Cried so hard I could barely get the words out. Um, it was in eighth grade. It was a beautiful one of those beautiful fall days where the air is crisp, the sun's shining. You know how when you could smell the leaves that fall from the trees? It was just a beautiful day. I love that type of day. And I remember my friend Kelly and I were outside raking the leaves. And all it's a Sunday morning, and our neighborhood was a very quiet neighborhood. All of a sudden we hear something loud in the road. So we look up and we see about eight eight black cars just flying down my street. I remember thinking, what the heck's going on? And then before I could even think, uh, those cars just um, surrounded my house and all these men in suits just ran, like probably, I think they're like dark suits, just ran out, you know, out of the cars and into my house. And this one gentleman comes up to me and says, your friend has to go home now. So I don't even know like how he knew who I was or anything. And all I remember next was sitting in the house with my parents come to find out the men were federal agents and they were, um, they were searching our home. And I'm thinking to myself, we didn't do anything wrong. They're going to leave. They're going to, you know, this is all a big mistake. And then it must've been hours. I don't remember a couple, couple of hours. It was just me and my parents sitting there. I remember crying, being nervous. My father was like, look, so nervous. And then all of a sudden they walked up to my mother at the end and they said, you're under arrest. We are going to, uh, you know, we're taking you with us. And I remember looking at her, trying to get her to to see me. And she just wouldn't meet my gaze. And they took her away in one of those cars. And my mother ended up going to federal prison for six months while I was in eighth grade. It was the beginning of eighth grade, a new school, junior high. She ended up, so what? happened was she was associating with people believe this sounds crazy, but that were involved in an international drug trafficking ring. She was found not guilty after serving the six months in jail, but her, um, they had such a high bail for her that we couldn't afford it. It was like at that time, it was many, many, many years ago. It was like a half a million dollars or something. So we couldn't afford it. So she had to stay in this federal prison in New York city um, for the six months of the trial. And the fact that she was found not guilty didn't do much to help me my 13-year-old mind when I had to go to school the next day after she was arrested. And it was on national news because at the time, everybody used to watch the news after dinner. So it was like a, everybody knew. I walked into school so feeling so ashamed, feeling like I did something wrong. And that day changed me forever and so everybody has and i'm not telling you this just to you know tell you i'm telling you because we have to be honest with ourselves about what affects us in life i kept i moved away and kept that a secret because i carried that with me that that shame um, uh, and that something was wrong with me because people did treat me differently after that, but I probably changed. I know I changed. I, before that, I was full of life. I was on the um, I was on the cheer team. I had lots of different friends from different groups. After that, I, I got quiet and I didn't share how I felt with anybody. I pretended I was fine. So that was the beginning of me pretending and having to have people like me and see me in a certain light and trying to direct how people felt about me. But what happened was I got the opposite result of what I wanted because I wasn't being vulnerable. I wasn't showing up as authentic and people could sense that. So just telling you that story is hard for me. Like I still, it's still hard to tell that story. Um, But I think it's important for me to be honest with you because I'm asking you to get honest with yourself about what's holding you back. And when I When I finally opened up about that story and about how it made me feel, I realized that there was a reason that I didn't feel good enough, but I was carrying around this old story from when I was 13 years old as an adult, and I had to liberate myself. And I want to let you know that whatever you're carrying around, you don't have to carry it, but it's a work in progress. It's okay if you're not there yet, if you're not ready to let it go. Um, But that's what I want to help you to do. I'm going to leave you there for today because I feel like that's so heavy and we have so much more to do. Um, But I want you to start to think about, is there something that's happened in your life that you're carrying around? And is there a part of you that uh, even if it's just a small part that sometimes doesn't feel good enough? And if so, how does that impact your life? And we'll continue this conversation next time. I hope you have a wonderful day and I look forward to talking to you soon. Bye guys.